This is Listen Up ODK Leaders, a podcast about leading in the 21st century. Our focus is collegiate leaders and leadership, but we welcome everyone. Today's episode was sponsored by Tribute. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give them the most meaningful gift of all, a Tribute video. Welcome to episode two of Listen Up ODK Leaders, a podcast about leading in the 21st century. My name is Tim Reed, and I serve as the Vice President for Membership and Operations at Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. I'm an initiate of the Alpha Omicron Circle at Virginia Tech. And our regular host, Stephen Dominey, could not be with us for this podcast, so I am stepping in. This month, we're talking about civic engagement. Our guest is Jennifer Thompson, the Executive Director of the Center for the Study of Liberty. Jennifer is an initiate of our University of Tulsa Circle. She holds a PhD and MA in philosophy from Vanderbilt University and undergraduate degrees in philosophy and economics from the University of Tulsa. Jennifer, welcome to Listen Up ODK Leaders. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, To get us started, um, tell us a little bit about the Center for the Study of Liberty and your work there. Sure, absolutely. So the center is is kind of a startup. We're actually in our fifth year, but we are a small organization and I have staff uh, across the country. We're remote people. Uh, and we are working especially with people in the private sector to encourage them to engage in civil conversation. We think that uh, the building and maintaining a free society requires us to be able to talk to one another, especially when we disagree with one another. And unfortunately, for a lot of different reasons, that's not happening enough today in our country. And so we conduct programs all over the country. Um, Prior to the pandemic, we conducted in-person programs, small dinner discussions about topics that are really relevant to people's communities, like immigration, trade, poverty, healthcare, that kind of thing. Uh, but we also did work online, virtual reading groups, uh, sort of ask me anything style uh, discussions. And now in the midst of the pandemic, um, we are doing most of that online. And then we also have a weekly newsletter, Civil Squared, and a podcast as well, where we bring in experts to talk about those things. Yeah, I've, I've listened to a number of the podcasts myself. It's it's really good stuff uh, that Thank you guys you. are producing. Um, feel feel a little bit like we're what is a competition, but we're we're kind of in that same vein, and it's and it's great to to listen to other podcasts. So, well, welcome. Um, and Thank you. The work of the center sounds really exciting. You know, when we talked about putting together um, this podcast series, one of the very first things that came from the team was what about civic engagement, and, and particularly in some of the things that you said. Um, but you know, how would you define civic engagement for our listeners? It, it seems to be an overly broad term. Um, you know, how how would you define that? Yeah. So it's. Um, I mean, I'm I'm somebody who is kind of pedantic about definitions because my background's in philosophy. But I also think one of the things that's really important in thinking about definition is what's the value? What are you using it for? And so I think when I think about civic engagement, I'm thinking if I'm going to define it. Uh, who am I talking to? And and in this case, I think probably your audience are people who are are very active in their community, wherever it is, on their college campuses, um, and and in their home communities. And civic engagement, I suspect, for those people is being engaged with their own communities in a way that they're making them better. I think that's the way a lot of people would think about it. I know it could look like volunteering. 
Uh, it could look like being politically active. It could look like a lot of different things. But I think the one thing we often put off to the side when we think about civic engagement is um, just operating businesses, professional work, that kind of thing. And, and from my point of view, anything you're doing in your community to try and support it and make it better, that ought to count as civic engagement, really. Um, and so for me, one of the reasons we work with people in the private sector is a lot of times people sort of pass by people in the private sector and think about policy. They think about the academy as places where we really make changes in the world. I think one of the places people have the most opportunity to change their communities is in their business or in their careers. Yeah, that seems to play a lot into the whole sort of think and act locally um, and to be engaged in those local businesses, which are which are contributing to to the community in in a lot of different ways. Um, You know, one of the things. Um, that obviously our, our audience is college students, and, and you sort of mentioned the idea of going out and starting a business. A lot of students um, think that to engage in, to be engaged in the civic is volunteer work. Talk a little bit more about this concept that it, there's work in this. I mean, there's paid work uh, in, in the nature of being engaged civically. So I'll tell you a story about my, um, my neighbor who, when her children were really small, would come over and play in our yard, uh, especially in the fall. We have this huge tree in our front yard. And all these leaves would fall down, and they'd play in the um, piles of leaves. And one time they said, oh, you know, we could clean up your leaves for you. And I said, yeah, I'll pay you to do that. And their mom was standing there, and she said, oh, don't pay them to do it. And I said, why? And she said, well, they'd be doing something nice for you. And I said, well, if they're doing something nice for me, and they are going to enjoy it, why shouldn't I pay them? Shouldn't we associate actually making money with things that make us happy and that we feel like are contributing to society? But somehow we have, I think, gotten the idea that the only way you can contribute and the only way it's altruistic to contribute is if you're doing it for free or if you're not doing it um, with any benefit to yourself. And when you think about that, that's a really narrow way of thinking about progress and thinking about improvement in your community. Um, you know, we, we improve our communities when we employ people, when we give them uh, an opportunity to challenge themselves to grow professionally, when they can put their kids in school, you know, when they can pay for their mortgage. Um, and and give them the freedom then to use their free time if they want to volunteer, great. But but if we bifurcate the idea that, you know, we we say to ourselves, well, if you're doing something and you're getting paid for it, it's actually not improving the world around you. It's a really really I think thin understanding of what good can be. So we I think it's important to get past that a little bit. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break. When we return. We will continue our conversation with Jennifer. Don't click away. We'll be right back. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give the most meaningful gift of all, a tribute video. Tribute makes it easy to create a collaborative video for any occasion. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at tribute.co forward slash ODK. Yeah, it's interesting to put it in that perspective because if you think about the leave example or, you know, the kid in my neighborhood that people pay to cut their grass, well, he's he's 
he could perform that service. He could cut older people's grass for free, but by paying him, then he's actually part of the economy. And he goes out and he spends that money at the little corner store um, across from our neighborhood, which is helping that small business owner keep going. So in essence, by paying the kid to cut the grass or rake the leaves, you're, you're engaging him in a civic process. Um, it is a, it's a different way to think about it. You mentioned altruism, and I, and I do think there's a lot of um, perspective in this is that we have to give away, we have to do things without monetary um, reward. Um, and I don't, you know, one of, one of the biggest programs that I'm involved in is the, the Richmond Folk Festival, which happens every year in Richmond. It's a massive undertaking and it takes thousands of volunteers for it to happen, but it also takes hundreds of businesses and they pay, they generate you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, probably, I don't know what the budget is, to create something that is a massive civic engagement. So, so it has both. It has lots of volunteers, but it also has a lot of commerce um, attached to it. And it's an incredible event for, for the Richmond area. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about it and you think about business owners, um, small business owners, especially, I mean, I think this is one of the reasons why What's going on now in our country with the pandemic when you see restaurants that have been around for 20, 30 years closing is so painful is that these small business owners are people who they're not, you know, um, they're not like in the Lorax or whatever it is where it's the greedy person who's, you know, going to cut down all the forests and everything else. I mean, these are people who want to make a life for themselves, for their families. They want to help their communities thrive. Um, and so they start businesses, not just because they want to pay their mortgage, but because there's value for themselves. There's value for them. Look, you can't be a successful business owner if you don't provide value to anyone else. Uh, so I think, I mean, I'm not saying people shouldn't volunteer. Certainly, um, I volunteer, uh, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't do things out of the goodness of their heart or make donations. I, you and I both work for organizations that live off of somebody else making a donation. So I certainly I don't want to suggest that that's not important or that to your listeners, they shouldn't look for opportunities to be engaged as volunteers. Just that, particularly if you're starting out your career and you think, well, I've got this job and I don't have a lot of free time, therefore I'm not doing anything for my community and feeling guilty about it. Don't feel guilty about it. Think about the fact that the, the if you are successful and you do well and you support businesses around you and you support people around you and you put yourself in a position to be able to make donations to people, those are those are all parts of civic engagement. And frankly, um, we often think about nonprofits as these, you know, very idealistic and sort of mission oriented things. And they are, but they're also businesses, right? So if you, if you work in a job where you get skills that you can use to volunteer, I'll tell you the, you know, who I'd love to have as a volunteer, somebody who knew a lot about databases, somebody who knew how to do data yeah. analysis. Right? Wouldn't we both? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not, that might not sound as exciting as like, you know, um, giving people groceries and things like that, or sorting through, you know, people's books, book donations or clothes donations. But boy, I could do a lot with somebody who knows about a database. So if you're actually out there improving your skills in data, you might be really valuable to the nonprofit community. Well, you know, that's, you know, our audience obviously is college students 
and so you know that was one of the things that we talked about uh, one of the, one of the things we talked about as we came forward with this is that transition from college life into real life as some folks call it how do you do that and maintain how do you create that engagement in a new community they've been coming many times from a community where their volunteerism their service learning was prescribed how do they make that transition um, so I do think that when you're in the midst of significant life transitions and I think graduating from college and moving on to your first job outside of college um, is you know they always talk about um, big transitions in your life and how you shouldn't layer all these transitions all at once right you don't want to buy a house get a new job and move to a different city all at the same time because of the stress I I mean, I think it's reasonable to think that if you're transitioning out of college where you had a lot of things prescribed for you, a lot of things managed for you in terms of thinking about engagement, that sort of thing, that it would be easy to think, oh, man, I better make a list or I better get this and I got to have a time frame in which I've done this, this, this and this to really stay engaged and to demonstrate that I'm, I'm active in the community, that sort of thing. My advice to somebody who is graduating from college and going out into the real world and getting a job is to first focus on getting your, you know, getting your feet on the ground and making sure that you uh, have some security there, right? So um, again, this is why I think it's really important not to distinguish your professional career from um, from civic engagement, right? Or talk about work-life balance. I mean, it's just work and life. There's a lot of times there's not a good balance between it. These are just things you got to work out. Um, and I stole that, by the way, from Harry Kramer, who was, um, he's, a pro he's a professor now at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management, but he wrote a great book called From Values to Action, which I highly recommend to your listeners about the importance of, regardless of where you are in a company or in your career, that you can always, you should be thinking about your values, you should be thinking about modeling that behavior. I would say, one, that's really important. It's really important to have a clear picture of what's important to you value-wise and to ensure that you are in a position where you can live those values. Uh, secondly, I think we often think that it's really important that we get our name out there or that people know who we are and what we're doing. One of the most underrated uh, skills I think that that people can develop is listening and and I'm gonna go back to what I do for a living and that is when we encourage people to have conversations with one another we always remind them that that involves two things both speaking and listening most of us are really good at the talking part but we're not as good at the listening part and I think if you're concerned about being engaged in your community and providing value to your community in whatever capacity that is, whether it's in philanthropic work or your career, one of the first things you can do is listen to the people in your community and see what they need. I go to a lot of different conferences with people who run nonprofits and very often, particularly on the sort of front lines of helping and poverty and things like that, You'll hear over and over again, don't walk in with your own idea of how you're going to save the world and make things better. The first thing you need to do is listen and listen to what's needed, right? And, and we get so excited about how we're going to make things better that we sometimes forget local knowledge matters an awful lot. So I think before you come up with all kinds of different plans about how you're going to improve things around you, 
the very first thing you can do, and it doesn't require a lot of time and it doesn't require you to have any extra money or anything like that, is to listen to what's going on around you and to the people who you think you can help. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will continue our conversation with Jennifer. Don't click away, we'll be right back. You are experiencing Listen Up ODK Leaders, presented by Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. ODK recognizes and encourages superior leadership and exemplary character. The ODK ideals are scholarship, service, integrity, character, and fellowship. To learn more about our mission and our organization, go to www.odk.org. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give the most meaningful gift of all, a tribute video. Tribute makes it easy to create a collaborative video for any occasion. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at tribute.co forward slash ODK. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I, I really like this concept of, of coming into a community, especially if you're going to a new community. You get a job and you go to a place that you've never been before um, or maybe only tacitly been, and, and now you're in a, in a new world. Um, talk to me a little bit about how networking works in that as it ties to civic engagement, because it would seem to me that you've got to build a network and and then as you build that network, that's how you become engaged. Yeah, I think that's right. And I uh, I have had multiple jobs where I've worked with people who are coming right out of college. And one of the first pieces of advice I would give to and have given to people I've worked with uh, is to look at every interaction you have with someone as an opportunity. And think about, don't think about people in terms of you know, how can I use them to get to X, Y, or Z, right? Don't think about people transactionally. But think about how you can be an ally to that person in whatever capacity they might need. Think about being curious about that person's background and story and learning. Because what you're going to find as time goes on is that there are all these different interactions you have with people. And some of the most valuable interactions you have that you will be able to leverage later whether it's for a professional opportunity or uh, a philanthropic opportunity or just you know to learn something are gonna come from things you couldn't have planned out six steps in advance, right? So never, never miss an opportunity to make someone a connection, right? It doesn't mean you have to be their best friend, but, but the world is much smaller than you think it is probably and um, you never know when there's there's going to be value in that. And the other thing is uh, that along with that, the world is much smaller than you think it is. You you don't want to burn bridges or anything like that. You never know. It's, you know, somebody who who works for you today could be your boss three years from now. You know, um, so I think it's really important to we we recently did a podcast with a woman named Pamela Pereski, who is a psychologist. She writes for Psychology Today, and she's a lecturer at the University of Chicago. And we were talking to her about how to sort of reconcile differences between people or how to have conversations with people you really disagree with. And I think when you think about networking, this is something that goes along with it. And she said, listen, if somebody really disagrees with you, but you know they're probably like you in that they want the best for the people in their lives, they want to make their communities better, they're probably reasonably intelligent. If all of that's true and that person 
has a completely different opinion than you do about something, you ought to have intellectual curiosity about how they came to that point of view. And I think just in thinking about networking, every person you meet, think about, hey, what can I learn from this person? You know? Yeah. You know, we're talking about networking. I, one of the things that kept coming into my head is social networks, which then threw me to social media. How does, how does, especially our gener the generation that, you know, is our, our target audience, um, Gen Z, uh, you know, uh, millennials, that kind of group, how does social media play into this? Does it help? Does it hurt? Does it do either? Um, you know, when it talks about engaging um, in, in the, the civics around you. So social media, I think I was actually at a conference this morning with a group of people out in D.C. I was it was virtual, but we were talking about uh, it seems like no matter what topic you're talking about, social media comes into it because it's such a big part of our culture. And and I'll acknowledge that um, it's like any big subject. There's no it's this way or it's all that way. I will acknowledge I have a lot of reservations about social media for 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 the reason that um primarily i think it can dehumanize us right and 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 in my work the part that i worry about the most is that when you're in a conversation face to face whether it's a virtual it's us talking right now virtually but um or you're sitting in a room with somebody you have to temper what you're doing and saying and you see the other person's reactions and you take that in um, and there's a connection there that's really important. When you can just go out and comment on things and walk away from it, people say things and do things that they probably wouldn't they wouldn't do in person. Now, as a young person, one thing you got to keep in mind is you leave a trail behind. I, I have not hired a person in the last 10 years that I haven't first gone out and looked at their social media or Googled them to find out something about them. Because if somebody has is willing to be indiscreet enough to say a bunch of really bad things about somebody else, even if they think it's not a big deal. That mean that's not what I want in somebody who represents my organization, right? So there's that. On the other hand, look, social media enables us. I have two teenage daughters. Uh, they've taught me all kinds of things about um, what I can learn, access to things, you know, via social media that I would never have had before. So I think like everything else in the world, you got to exercise good judgment with it. And there are opportunities to have communities through technology we wouldn't have had in the past. You and I wouldn't be having this conversation face to face in the past. Um, but at the same time, look, we got to exercise judgment about those things. There's a great book by a fellow named Jaron uh, Lanier, who was sort of a pioneer in virtual reality. And it's called, I think the title is like 10 Reasons to Delete All Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Um, and I'm not saying everybody should delete their social media accounts, but the book is interesting. It's a real short book, like 110 pages. And he talks through a variety of things like how it affects your free will, how it affects the way you treat other people. And I, I would recommend it as reading for any of your listeners who are actively using social media to really push themselves to think about how do I use social media? Um, it's, it's a tough question, you know. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will continue our conversation with Jennifer. Don't click away. We'll be right back. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give the most meaningful gift of all, a tribute video. Tribute makes it easy to create a collaborative video for any occasion. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at tribute.co forward slash ODK. 
This episode is about civic engagement. The Civil Squared newsletter from the Center for the Study of Liberty is written to equip and inspire you to revive civil conversations in your networks. It's meant to engage your curiosity and increase your impact. Each week's email contains content and links from sources you can share. Civil Squared is reviving civil discourse in America one conversation at a time. To sign up, go to studyliberty.org and click on Civil Squared. It may have come from the book you mentioned, but I heard a quote, um, somebody saying that it's social media. It's a media. It's not social interaction because social interaction really requires you to be, if not face-to-face, um, physically at least really interga- uh, engaged with that individual or those individuals in some way. And so by posting things and writing things, you're really not engaged socially. You're engaged with the media. Uh, or the medium, as it were. So um, that's interesting. Yeah, there's another another author. She's at MIT. Her name is Sherry Turkle. Uh, she was uh, somebody who looked, I think she's a psychologist, actually, who looked at how technology affects us. And, and she was a very early adopter of the importance of communities that can be built using technology. 10, 12 years on, uh, she's very, very nervous about how technology can change the way we have conversations and that conversations are the places where we experiment with ideas um, and we kind of push back on things and learn a lot and if we're not having those and we're always looking down at our phones uh, or texting each other across the table or whatever we're not developing really important parts of our personality and giving ourselves the ability to grow Uh, and, and and I think that's a I think that's a really interesting point too. Well, that brings us to that social media can be isolating. And so that brings us to the to the 12 million pound elephant in the room, which is this pandemic. How how do how does civic engagement um, change in a world in which you have to be socially distanced and you have to be masked and all of those kind of things? You know, what have, what is uh, what have you been seeing in this world? So yeah, I, it's it's amazing, and I think I I feel like I'm learning every day about things that I took for granted, uh, just even being in the same room like we were talking about, right? I mean, um, there are so many things we do to change, not to change, to to sort of make ourselves acceptable to other people, actually. You know, that sounds like, you know, sort of superficial, but even Adam Smith in The Theory of Moral Sentiments talks at length about how so much of what we do is about us perceiving ourselves through other people's eyes, right? And so when you're when you're in the same place with somebody physically, you adjust how you behave and what you do, and you get things back from people too, right? I mean, even just shaking hands, it's such a small thing, you think. But boy, I would love to shake somebody's hand right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fist bumps and, and elbow bumps are just not doing yeah, it for me. It's not. And you know what? I don't know when we're going to be able to go back to shaking people's hands or being at church with people and, you know, hugging people that, you know, you know well. And, you know, I, there's so many things that have changed. And I really feel for your listeners, particularly those who are going to be getting out of college this year. 
you know, um, maybe I hope things will be better next spring, but they might not be a lot better. And if they're not a lot better, what does that do to your job prospects? What does that do to the way you relate to people? My kids are on hybrid um, schedules at school, you know. Now, I'll say at the same time, I think humans are amazing adaptive creatures. And what that's doing is it's pushing us to find new ways to engage with one another. And so in the same way that businesses have to do that, all kinds of businesses now are having to rethink their work environment, their dynamics. How You know, you see innovation, even in restaurants and that in terms of food delivery, that kind of thing. We have the ability to adapt and And I lived through, as you did, the 2008-2009 recession. And I will tell you that professionally for me, that was one of the most important parts of my, one of the most successful parts of my career because when everything sort of falls apart, you have to find opportunities you didn't have before. So another thing I always say to young people I work with is, When something bad happens, and trust me, like in 2020, there's plenty of bad things happening. We don't have to look around for those, right? Yes, you have to sort of, you know, acclimate yourself to this new environment, but don't spend so much time feeling sorry for yourself or, you know, missing the things. Look for the opportunities that weren't there before. And that's how you get through these things. And so for me, I think when you think about civic engagement and you think about the pandemic, recognize that the world is changing and we're going to kind of come to a new normal and then something else is going to happen. That's the only thing that's certain is other stuff's going to happen. How do you capitalize on that opportunity? What what would you not have seen before that you now see because you can't go to the store or because you can't, you know? Well, and it's even uh, down to the simple things. I think about this every time I'm in a store or someplace and I'm wearing my mask. I'm a smiley person and I smile at the clerks, but they can't see that. So I'm trying to figure out how to smile with my eyes. I'm going to steal the Tyra Banks. Um, she actually has, um, I guess, copyright the, uh, copywritten the, the term smize, where you smile with your eyes um, and, and trying to figure out how to do that behind a mask so that somebody can see that I'm smiling at them. Um, and I'm using my eyes and you know, I'm trying to lift my eyebrows. And so it, so it looks like I'm engaging with them, even though they can't see my smile. Do you know, that's funny that you say that I do this. I, the number of times I've done this probably in the last few weeks, I realize exactly that, that I'm smiling at somebody and they can't tell. So I just tell them, I'll just say, look, I'm smiling at you. You can't see. And, and interestingly enough, the number of conversations that starts right with somebody just to have that connection and to have somebody say, oh, I hate that about masks too, or whatever, you know? I mean, I've probably met three or four people I wouldn't have talked to if it weren't for the fact that we were wearing masks, you know? Yeah. Um, as we get close to wrapping up here, and I'm re- I really appreciate your perspectives, ODK members, which is uh, who we're here for in the most part, um, are already identified as leaders on their campus. That's how they got into this organization. Um, you know, what, what are some of the things, I think we've talked about a lot of them, but, but what are some of the habits or practices you would recommend to those individuals that are right on college campuses right now, but are getting ready to go out into the world? What are the kind of things that you would do that would help them make this transition and be better at being engaged civically when they get out? So I would say a number of different things. And we have talked about some of them. Listening, I think, is really, again, it's it's a thing we just 
do not pay enough attention to or put enough value on these days. So be a good listener. Um, push yourself by by forcing yourself to encounter things that make you uncomfortable. And by that, I don't mean, you know, go do risky things just for the sake of doing risky things. I'm thinking more in terms of um, get outside your own bubble. If if you don't find yourself disagreeing with people very often, you need to find some new people because, um, you know, honestly, having people tell you over and over you're right or being around people you're comfortable with, it's nice and we all want that. We all want that kind of security. But growth very often comes from having to be in an uncomfortable situation. So find people you disagree with and go listen to them and talk to them. Uh, this is a great time to see the value of that given the unrest that's going on in this country. Don't make up your mind and say this this group of people is wrong or people who believe this are just bad or whatever. You know, put those skills of listening and trying to really figure out and give people credit who disagree with you. Boy, we could all use that right now. Um, but the other thing I think, too, is consistency. You know, I mean, as an employer myself, I value consistency and responsibility. And you've got people in this audience who already have that and have developed that in their college careers keep doing that in your professional career um, and make sure you model that behavior for other people. And again, like we already talked about, doing that in a professional environment, boy, that that's going to help your community. You know, I mean, keep doing that and keep being successful and think about the places where you want to make a difference um, and trust your own instincts. I, I know that sounds trite, but boy, that's a really important thing. And my guess is most people who are listening to this are people who have good instincts um, and often will set them aside because they think something else is important. Your instincts are probably going to lead you in the right direction most of the time and and don't underestimate the value of your own your own point of view. Well, thank you. That I we have touched on everything that I, we had talked about. Um, I really appreciate the conversation. Some really good things in here um, for our members. Again, um, I should have probably said it a little bit earlier, but we're talking with Jennifer Thompson, Executive Director of the Center for Study of Leadership. Um, Jennifer, thank you um, for your perspective today and for helping our leaders sort of see that civic engagement um, is, is really an important factor, but it's also not a simple thing to do. Thank you, folks. We have another podcast coming up next month that will be on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, So listen for that one. And thanks, everybody. And we'll be back next month. Listen Up ODK Leaders is a production of Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. Our program was produced by Tim Reed, recorded and edited by Eric Wilkin. Our hosts are Stephen Dominey and Tim Reed. Our production team includes Lottie Page, Danielle Klobe, Elena Stubbs, and Katie Datz. Special thanks to Amy Newman for our logo and to all the staff at the ODK National Headquarters for their amazing support of our members. To learn more about our society, go to www.odk.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. ODK members should join us on our LinkedIn groups.